Welcome to the Adaptive Executive Podcast, where we meet with senior executives and discuss how to keep yourself and your organization adaptive and your employees engaged. My name is Greg Ballard, founder and owner of 5C Consultant, and I am your host. If you'd like to be considered as a guest for this podcast, you can apply on our website at 5C.consulting. Look for the word podcast. For now, let's dive into the show. All right. Welcome, everybody. This is the Adaptive Executive. My name is Greg Ballard, here, here your host. And I want to welcome our guest, uh, Bill Maxwell with ERP International. Bill, thank you for being with us today. Thank you for the invitation. Absolutely. Uh, for our listeners, could you just provide a little introduction of yourself and ERP International? Certainly. Um, I am the uh, Chief Financial Officer of ERP International. I have um, uh, several decades of experience in government contracting. And before I was in government contracting, I was in manufacturing, got into manu- GovCon manufacturing, and more recently have mostly been um, uh, working in finance for uh, government contracting professional service providers since I have moved uh, to the Virginia area in 97. I've been mostly in the services market. Um, I am from Cincinnati, and I have uh, worked over Pennsylvania, uh, West Virginia, immediately preceding here, and uh, then have been very happily in in the Virginia area uh, and uh, enjoying the uh, D.C. market and lifestyle. Excellent, excellent. Well, uh, I know we've had some sidebar conversations. Oh, yeah, go ahead, please. I know you asked for ERP's uh, introduction, so I'll do that as well. Uh, ERP is a 700 employee provider of health solutions and digital solutions uh, to uh, the DOD, DHS, and other Fed civil customers. The um, health solutions, um, those are health professionals, doctors, pharmacists, nurses, and other professionals that would provide uh, to the DOD primarily the Air Force at their medical facilities. Uh, So this is uh, 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 labor contracting of medical professionals. That is around three quarters of the manpower uh, of ERP. Uh, The rest are uh, digital solutions providers, and this is providing agile development uh, for the customers I mentioned previously. Some that are notable are um, the um, Global Force Management Program, which I've had experience with for uh, several contractors, and the uh, D- the FEMA uh, loan uh, system, uh, and I'm sure uh, your listeners have you know heard about the many natural disasters that FEMA has been instrumental in uh, aiding, and uh, many of the those that are hit need loans in our system helps them get those. So that's that's a very good thing. Yeah, yeah. So there's a lot of things we can cover today. Um, you know, a couple of things that are resonating with you and, and the work your organization is doing is, you know, the last two years, the crisis and pandemic, uh, you guys being able to support the medical industry and then also FEMA, the national disaster industry, we've had a number of hurricanes and, and, and issues in our country along those lines. And so you guys have been in the mix there. Um, can you give us a little size and scope of your company? What, you know, how many employees do you have? Like, are you across the nation? Are you here regionally? 
you give us a little bit of, of insight on, on ERP? Certainly. Uh, the health solutions business is the uh, 700, as most of those 700 employees, um, three quarters of them. And uh, they are at primarily Air Force bases uh, all across the United States. Uh, so, you know, any Air Force base that has a medical facility, uh, they may have our staff there. And um, one thing to think about is that, you know, we've all, uh, many of us have benefited from being able to work remotely and uh, and be more safe during these pandemic years. Uh, but uh, our our medical professionals have do not have not had that luxury. They've they've had to be in the the forefront of, of the fight against COVID and uh, and meeting seeing actual people in person. So you know they are truly uh, uh, you know doing our nation's business. Uh, and and protecting you know Air Force uniformed and uh, non-uniformed staff um, and keeping them safe and 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 keeping themselves safe uh, from the pandemic. Got it. Yeah, some really good work going on there. I want to mention so in a little bit of my due diligence, I came across um, some notable recognition mm-hmm. that ERP has received. Uh, as top places to work for 2020, 2021, um, maybe you know I don't know if the 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 announcement's coming out for 2022 yet, but it looks like you guys are in a good position to receive that as well. Um, and the work that we do is really on culture and and helping organizations to be a top place of work. Mm-hmm. Could you speak briefly about you know the culture component as a government contractor and how you guys have achieved that? Certainly. Uh, One of the first things that struck me with ERP was the amount of welcoming materials I got. Um, And even though, you know, we've been remote, my team has been remote uh, since uh, my hire uh, at ERP, and we probably will be remote after the pandemic. Um, But got a copious amount of uh, shirts, uh, mugs, uh, and other celebratory materials. And that was not just with hire. That's been on uh, on um, several occasions. We uh, were happy to celebrate our fifteenth anniversary in September, and we each got some anniversary materials: uh, um, a, a T-shirt um, and other, you know, other ERP paraphernalia. And it's nice to you know get something in the mail, a, a tangible. Um, a, 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 a tangible sign of uh, the company's um, interest and affection uh, for its employees. Fantastic. Well, I want to dive into some conversation on adaptability. And mm-hmm. so, so Bill, maybe you could speak to uh, in your tenure with ERP over the last and over the last two years in consideration here. What have been some of the new demands or expectations that you have felt and maybe you've seen your peers have to deal with um, in kind of this new era of the market? I think the most obvious thing is that, you know, in in March of 2020, um, we all stopped reading about the pandemic and started living it. Uh, It was, uh, you know, we thought it might be approaching the United States and then, you know, Bam, you know, it's here and it was come as you are. Um, and every firm had to adapt to that. Um, and, you know, everyone that was able to work remotely um, you know, did. 
and and every firm you know needed to make whatever uh, changes it needed to do to to survive and ideally thrive in that environment. Um, in government contracting, it's been a bit different because the government um, our customer is often where our employees are situated. So the government agencies were responding and letting us know who could be on site, who had to be on site, who could not be on site, what new work schedules would be required uh, to support this. And our customer um, was very, what do I want to say, uh, very, very caring and um, and and careful with its government contractors, and we've benefited in the CARES Act um, as 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 all you know employers did with the possibility of the payroll protection uh, program, mm-hmm. triple P program. But in addition to that, um, we had Section thirty six ten, which encouraged contracting officers, and contracting officers are essentially government contractors. Um, administrative customers. Um, we work for, you know, uh, a, uh, a a branch of the military, uh, a customer there, but contracting officers administer that. And the CARES Act Section 3610 encouraged contracting officers to accommodate uh, their government contractors in some way uh, if the facilities that the government contractor uh, employees were working at was closed, um, then uh, the contractors could work from home if possible. In the intelligence community in particular, that often was not possible. Uh, mm-hmm. Certainly, uh, you know, someone working at home uh, does isn't looking over, um, um, you know, Chinese, uh, int- our intercepts of Chinese communications or, or, or uh, communication with our spies. Uh, um, so, that could not be done outside of uh, um, uh, it's called a skiff, um, where where you know the spies and those that work with spies and those that work with sensitive information can keep that information safe and secure. Uh, but um, outside of that, uh, if the employees could work from home, they were encouraged to do so. The contract officers were encouraged to allow that to happen, and in the event of employees that were specifically prohibited from doing their work because the facility was closed to them and they were not able to, then um, the contracting officers were to allow them to to improve their skill set, study, and do other things so that that income stream did not suddenly dry up. Uh, So, yeah, our government customer was, was... very helpful to us, and and that's something that you know government contractors we 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 have to deal with with regulations every day more than many other industries. And um, the worst thing about government contracting is all the regulations, and the best thing about government contracting is all the regulations. And in this case, the regulations came to our aid, uh, and thankfully, most of those workplaces opened up fairly soon into the pandemic, sometimes with staggered shifts, uh, sometimes, um, you know, back in, uh, but masked. And, and we've, we've been able to address those challenges and move forward and continue to do um, our government customers work and um, our nation's work 
um, without real interruption, which is is yeah. an amazing thing. Oh, that's great. Uh, let me let me dive in there a little deeper on some of the you know I'm, I'm curious, and I think our listeners would be curious. You know, Bill, for you as you went through this as a as an individual mm-hmm. as a senior senior member of the team, was there any particular um, mental models or mindset shifts? that you went through that, uh, you know, on the other side really served your way, you, you in adapting to, you know, one, the remote work, uh, mm-hmm. the, the amount of information and the speed of information and change that was happening um, and, and, and change in technology, change in policy, mm-hmm. uh, because there's been so much change. And from what we, we see is a lot of it, it's coming so fast, so quickly, and in so many different areas is really difficult and challenging mm-hmm. to be on point with all of it all of the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm kind of curious, how did you respond to that? And wh- where have you found some success and traction? Okay. I-, I think the pandemic has forced us to do some things that we were probably moving in that direction. Um, but there was, you know, reservation. Um, enterprises, you know, are, are naturally resistant to change and uh, inertia is a difficult force to overcome. Um, so it, it's my personal opinion that we were moving in the direction of being more supportive to work-life balance, to remote work, to accommodating employees' needs um, and still being able to retain their productivity. But that has been a a slow progression uh, uh, throughout my employment history, um, but it was definitely accelerated by the pandemic. Um, When I started my employment fairly soon after grad school, I remember one family-owned company had just uh, uh, de-installed, removed a buzzer system that the CEO had with everyone's name on it. And when he wanted to summon someone, he hit the button and they had better jump and go to his office. And I, I can only imagine how unpopular that buzzer was and, and the, the psychic toll that took on the employees knowing that that buzzer could buzz at any time and they would have to jump or worse, that they might be at someone else's desk and not hear the buzzer and be deemed to be unresponsive. Um, that obviously uh, is, is, has gone by the wayside, but we still had, in my opinion, a lot of similar types of, uh, what do I wanna say, uh, direct supervision uh, type X management where, you know, executives would be in window offices uh, sur- um, surrounding cube land. Uh, where mm. employees uh, uh, toiled and the, the, the supervisor, the executive would see a bunch of heads in those cubes, would be able to wander cube land and, and, and observe what they interpreted to be work. Um, but in truth, you know, with someone on a computer screen, as long as they're quick enough, they can change, they can change windows uh, to go from their Facebook update or their uh, video game uh, to um, what seems to be work pretty quick. So if you're just trying to observe people, um, that's not really a good way to monitor um, actual work. And mm. what I found that the pandemic made obvious was that there are other ways to, m- more effective ways to monitor work. 
if my payroll team is getting pay processed promptly, accurately, and nobody's sending emails saying uh, that this whole team was not paid, that everyone was paid incorrectly, that their new wage rates for the new uh, contract year were not uh, adjusted. Um, if I don't get those emails, if I don't see those emails, payroll is probably working. Uh, if my vendors aren't calling me and complaining that they're not paid, accounts payable is probably working. If my financials are out on time, then I know, you know that my general ledger team uh, is, is working effectively. And we can obviously improve each of these processes, but the proof is really in the pudding. Is the work getting done? Is it quality work? Are there errors? Uh, and if, if those objectives are met, um, is someone in a cube? Is someone in their home office? Is someone, you know, moved to their their uh, what they thought was going to be their vacation or retirement home uh, on the beach? If they're working happily from there and productively from there, you know, good for them. Yeah, they've achieved it's the interesting. life goal. It's interesting because I, I yeah. So I hear like this. Uh, I think it was popularized popularized in the 80s and 90s, you know, this theme of managing by walking around. Um, that was actually a thing, right? It was. And now, and, and what we teach, when we talk about with our clients is, you know, manage by the objective, you know, communicate mm -hmm. the end result, communicate yeah. the desired outcome, and let the let your team execute the process. Give them ownership of the how, mm -hmm. and you manage the what, the outcome, the result that you need. Um, yeah. And and then let them be creative, let them own it, and let them do it with their own little their own personality, their own skill set, their own capabilities, and and it sounds like that's kind of where you guys landed. Exactly, uh, and and to, to go back for a second for the man to the management by walking around, you know, I imagine that you know, employees in those cubes, most of them with their back to the to the aisleway, must have thought about their boss walking around and observing them over their shoulder to be a little bit like that buzzer system. Um, you know, a, uh, um, you know, a, a little bit of a power imbalance that probably was not particularly pleasant to them. Uh, whereas, you know, managing by objectives, that's something that they can understand. And if they're, you know, if they're uh, my, my billing team, if they're, getting their bills out on time, if they're able to get their day sales outstanding reduced, um, then that is success. And, and that can be monitored and quantified and incentivized. So uh, I, I think they're, my impression in talking with them is that they're, they're more, um, you know, more comfortable with the current arrangement than they were with the older system, and as far as the the potential benefits of management by walking around, which I think is more of the organic discussions, you know, brainstorming that comes up when you meet someone in the in the uh, the lunchroom or elsewhere. You know, in the pandemic, we have to have other venues for that type of organic, uh, um, you know, interchange of ideas, but they can certainly be accommodated and and facilitated. Uh, without having actual physical hallways to be in. Yeah, excellent. And th that's a big topic I hear. May, could you highlight a couple of examples of how uh, you, your team, or ERP has adapted to this, you know, this distributed workforce? And I know many of your 
your contractors, employees are on site because they're providing, you know, direct hands-on mm-hmm. services. Um, but management, administrative, there's probably a large percentage of those that have been kind of moved to a distributed, you know, back home or a, a, a reduced setting, uh, mm-hmm. digital setting. How or, or what techniques or processes have you guys found success in in creating that water cooler atmosphere where there's the brainstorming and the chit chat? Have you guys mm-hmm. seen any success? Yeah, we've tried to create a knowledge base of, uh, of videos uh, when someone comes up with a, a good way of doing something, something that we have not used before, you know, we'll record their explanation of their current process, the new process, and we make that available to the entire team. <laughs> so we all might be in a Teams meeting where someone is explaining the new process, but then after that Teams meeting breaks up, it's 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 a uh, um, you know a archival document that can then be reviewed. And when we have staff turnover or you know we're expanding the staff, uh, the new person can come in and we can say, hey, look at this. You know this is how you make links to files rather than sending actual files by email. Uh, so we can all work on the same documents and know where they are. Um, you know, this is how you, um, you know, you have someone, you know, set up an expense report. Uh, this is how you make your first timesheet. Um, and those knowledge base videos uh, can be helpful to, uh, to new staff and, and for reminders for people that have forgotten how to do something. Excellent. That's very, that, that's that's very very good. So, and, and and I don't know how much you can speak to this or not, but I know there's probably a lot of curiosity out there. Um, we're we're experiencing a, a great resignation in in many different parts of the market and the labor market, and I'm kind of curious how has that impacted ERP, and what are the drivers that you're seeing on the ground for that? Certainly, um, I think we've benefited from that. Um, I, you know, I have a, a director of finance who uh, was um, lived in Vienna, uh, very close uh, to, um, you know, to the, in the DC, in the DC market, and he's never been to the Laurel office. Uh, I've never been to the Laurel office, um, and which I think is rather interesting. And the executive team meetings I've had has been have been elsewhere. Uh, uh, but to get back to your point. Um, uh, he had a lifetime aspiration of moving to Las Vegas. And um, before the pandemic, before we were working remote, that probably would have required his resignation, um, or at least, you know, maybe moving him to part time until we could find someone locally to do the work. Um, you know, his moving to Las Vegas was a non event, a complete non event. Uh, he logged on as he was driving across the country, transporting his his pets uh, to his new home. And uh, when he got to his home, again, you know, it was a non-event. We we had some you know, brief conversation about how he was waiting for all of his boxes to arrive. Uh, um, but the work continued, and you know, I think he's a happier and more productive employee because he's he's accomplished that lifetime goal of moving to a city he wanted to move to uh, and uh, is still with us. Um, I think in hiring new employees, uh, if we were a Laurel-based company that had to hire people in the Laurel 
uh, commutable market, uh, that can be a challenge because the government contracting uh, center of gravity is not in uh, Laurel, Maryland. Uh, is probably, you know, in Tyson's, uh, with some extending to Alexandria, certainly much extending to Reston, Ashburn, and the like. But that's where the customers are. Obviously, there are a number of them Bethesda and Rockville. But that's that's really the, uh, you know, if you were to uh, uh, just do a heat map of where government contracting employers are, that's where they are. So if if we decided to be Laurel centric. We would probably have a more limited uh, group of employees that we could hire from, um, you know, maybe from Columbia and Annapolis to, and DC, but probably not not in in Vienna where the director of finance was from. That's a tough commute. So I think it's helped us, uh, and uh, we're going to continue to encourage that uh, to make the the. The important thing is, are they getting the job done? Are they working with the team and not um, do they enjoy a long commute uh, across the uh, American Legion Bridge? Yeah, I find this this, uh, you know, what what the pandemic has done um, regarding to work and technology and and really moving everybody to a distributed workforce um, mm-hmm. has, and, and we, we actually conducted a, um, um, a research study for a, a local economic development organ, um, team and came out with the same conclusion that this, this new dimension is going to change the way people think about work, you know, um, because they can do it from anywhere. And, mm-hmm. and one of the recommendations we made was the importance of broadband access. Uh, because yes. in certain counties, in certain regions, not everybody has access. And one of the things we learned is uh, another healthcare, major healthcare system in the region, um, they could not send everybody home because though some people lived in very rural areas and could not do their work from home. And so I think in the next you know three to five years, we're going to see a lot of the infrastructure uh, changes Mm-hmm. In, throughout our country, <clears throat> uh, as well as here in Northern Virginia, that is going to allow more of a global workforce. And mm-hmm. to, for folks just like your director of finance to be able to go wherever he wants to go or she wants to go and and do their work. Mm-hmm. And so I, I'm, I'm really excited about those changes coming for for our, our market, our economy, our nation. Absolutely. Uh, so Bill, it's very, very much been a, a topic with uh, the uh, the two infrastructure bills, and not to get into politics, but yeah. you know, it's it's obviously a, a hot topic. How do we get broadband more generally available uh, to everyone? And and that's important not only for work but also for education, and and folks yes. that are dealing with uh, you know with dial-ups uh, in rural America, their children are disadvantaged, and that's that's something that is contrary to our American values. Yes. So, uh, Bill, I want to thank you for joining us today. And I want to give you leave you with one last question and, and give you a chance to kind of give some final thoughts uh, from from an adaptive executive mindset perspective and and even maybe organizationally. Um, your role as CFO and, and how you play and, and feed into strategy. Uh, maybe you can share some thoughts with our listeners. You know, what are the kind of the top two or three things to be thinking about? Um, you know, when it comes to being an adaptive organization? I think really 
you know, utilizing all of your employees' skill sets because you know, when you have a a major, you know, major um, existential threat like the pandemic, you know, I think I mentioned that that was pretty much come as you are, and no one had a a book to pull off the shelf, which was after the inevitable pandemic. This is what we will do. Uh, you know, it was it was you know building the plane while we were flying it. Uh, that was the same for our customers. All the plans that I mentioned, the triple P plan, that was you know built it seemingly minutes uh, before um, companies were able to take advantage of it. And and anyone that was in that vanguard saw that it. This wasn't a program that was on the shelf waiting to go. This was pretty much, oh my God, what do we do now? What do we do in the next two weeks to make this possible? And so the government had to adapt, employers had to adapt, and you know, there's no one in the company that has that book on the shelf and is ready to to pull that out. So it really takes a encouragement of everyone to come up with the best way to move forward on, you know, day one after the pandemic, day one after whatever natural disaster you know, we might experience in the future, day one after all the, you know, electronic systems go down for whatever reason, uh, after the, uh, uh, you know, the cyber attack, whatever. Um, the, the more we can bring everyone's, um, you know, intelligence and experience and energy uh, to bear, uh, the more likely we are to survive um, uh, these, you know, these black swans events. Yeah, well, Bill, I want to thank you for your time and really appreciate you sharing with our listeners uh, your perspective and your insights. Thank you. Thank you, Greg, for uh, the chance to uh, participate in your podcast. I look forward to uh, to uh, hearing it and and hearing uh, your your future uh, podcast guests. Thank you for joining us on the Adaptive Executive Podcast. We hope you enjoyed the show. You can follow us on LinkedIn and by subscribing to our mailing list. Again, my name is Greg Ballard and thank you for listening.